0: nothing is natural until it's intentional. Like I'm an introvert. Going out into my neighborhood and conversating with people is not natural to me. Uh And so it's like any discipline that we have in the faith, like prayer or silence or solitude, evangelism and prayer walking and being your neighbor won't be natural until it's intentional. Oh, wow. Yeah, well said, man. Hello, and thanks
1: for listening to the podcast. My name is David, and in today's episode, we hear a great story of neighboring put into action. But first, here's an update from Haiti from our Director of Missions, Josh Armstrong. Well, hey folks, thanks for joining us. Uh, one of the reasons why we do this podcast is so we can tell you a bit more about what's coming across our radar and in the life of our church. And man, I got a call from Josh uh, the other day and man, Josh is never shook. And Josh, you seem just a bit shook because you'd just gotten back from Haiti. Uh, you'd seen and experienced uh, some some difficult stuff, and you were calling saying, hey, we 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 got to pray for this people and for this nation. So um, I, I, not only did I agree that we should pray, but I, I thought we should share it with folks listening to the podcast. So, man, tell us what's going on, what's on your heart for these folks. Yeah, well, we just did a, a missions
2: update uh, on this podcast. I know some of you might have heard that. Um, if not, I'd love for you to go back and check that out because I give a lot of the history of missions in general of our church, but uh, especially the stuff in Haiti. And we've had a lot going on in Haiti for quite a while now. Um, uh, some, some of you may know we were missionaries in Haiti. Our, our family was missionaries in Haiti. Um, the Abercrombie's came in after us and have been missionaries in Haiti. And we still kind of partner with like four different organizations, plus the Vineyard Church in Haiti. So a lot of connections to our church. Um, and we've not been able to go much lately because uh, I know a lot of you guys that are listening to this will have seen the news over the past couple of years, although yeah. it's underrepresented, um, mm-hmm. that Haiti's just been through it. Uh, Haiti was already the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, then a mm-hmm. giant earthquake hit in 2010. Mm-hmm. And then just really since then, it's been on a downward spiral in terms of political and social upheaval mm-hmm. Um and, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, not quite that, the, the president was assassinated um, and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse since then. Um, and so, as Aaron mentioned, I, I was just able to go recently, not to Port-au-Prince, where we used to we used to live right outside of Port-au-Prince, mm-hmm. but up in Cap-Haitien because it's a little more secure. Yeah, um, it's supposed to be the safe spot. Yeah, safer, yeah. yeah. There's a, and there's an international airport there, so you can go there pretty easily right out of Florida And uh, man, as soon as I got on the plane, I already was just sensing a heaviness. Um, And then on the ground there, got to hang out with uh, one ministry that we've been connected with. We helped start actually with the Freedom House Um, and just the kids and the staff, there was such a weight and a heaviness, uh, so much anxiety and and fear and a sense of uh, the unknown, Um, really a sense of hopelessness and more so than I've ever experienced in Haiti. And that's saying quite a bit. Yeah. and uh, there's no end in sight. I, mean, I I'm, yeah. If anybody knows me, I'm a pretty optimistic guy. I'm yeah. not a very doom and gloom guy. And I, I know God can do anything. But it just seems like a, a tough road ahead. Uh-huh. And as Aaron mentioned, I was a little bit shook because, I, I, man, I almost didn't make it out. Uh, what was happening yeah. mainly in Port-au-Prince is now spread to a lot of the other cities in the country. And uh, I almost didn't get to the airport. I won't mm-hmm. tell the whole story, but... I was going in a car, couldn't get through in a car because of roadblocks and burning tires, and so I got on a motorcycle and almost couldn't get through on that and mm-hmm. actually you had a, a, an incident where a, a guy kind of came after us and <laughs> it was intense, yeah, wearing a mask and a giant pipe and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I don't want to be melodramatic but it was it was it it it, it was pretty scary and so yeah. and and what and i'm I'm thankful I went through it I've told several people this because that was that was one day for me uh Haitians are experiencing that kind of fear and danger um, on a daily basis. People are going hungry right yeah. now because uh, uh, food prices, everything is so much more expensive. Inflation is out the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the people can't get to hospitals right now. We've got mm-hmm. a girl that we were connected to when we lived there that just recently died because mm-hmm. she couldn't get to the hospital. She just mm-hmm. had a baby a month ago. and yeah. uh, So she left a baby behind and those stories are all over the place in haiti and so i just you know aaron and i really schools want, are closed right schools are closed yeah. they're, they're, they might not be able to open schools up for a whole year you can imagine what that does to a country and to the kids yeah um and you know even here when that happened in covid you know we could do things online and it was mm-hmm. online and that was hard think about how hard that was in the u.s and imagine not even being able to do that mm-hmm. so there's no end in sight and there's a lot of speculation on what could happen but no great solutions that yeah. i've seen or heard And so I just want to um, encourage our church and anybody that might be listening to this to pray Mm -hmm. for our Haitian brothers and sisters. A lot of you guys know we have friends that are involved with Simple Church Ministries and with Access Health Alliance, which Mm -hmm. the Abercrombie's helped start, and um, the Freedom House. And then our ministries in a place called Laborde. A lot Mm -hmm. of you guys have heard us talk about those things. Pray for our friends that are involved in those things and for haiti in general
1: yeah maranatha come lord jesus lord let your kingdom come guys uh pray for haiti josh thanks for the update yeah thanks guys all right hey folks thanks for joining the podcast uh this is aaron and uh josh armstrong is here as well hi josh hola And I've got a couple friends here with me. Uh, This is Teresa, say hi Teresa. Hello. And Renee. (laughs) Hello. All right, and so, hey, you guys are here because um, there's just an incredible story about what God has done, and I wanted to share it with uh, the family. And so uh, we're just creating a little space to, to share the testimony. And, and Renee, you were baptized on Sunday just yes. two days ago. Yes. And uh, that's the story we're, we're going to get to about how, how, we, how we got there. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I want to <laughs> start with you, Teresa, because you said something so incredibly encouraging to me. Um, you listened to some sermons that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, miracle of miracles, shock of all shocks, <laughs> you actually did the stuff we talked about. I've never, it was just so encouraging for me to hear. So tell us uh, that story, how that came about.
3: Okay, well, that was a series on neighboring and uh, a five-part series and Mm -hmm. you and Josh did it. It was January and February of the infamous 2020. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And um, those those messages, messages really resonated with me. Um, One thing that I know you said, Aaron, is you said hospitality is not inviting your friends over. Uh It's entertaining strangers, you know, and I started thinking about my life and the fact that I didn't really have very many non-Christian friends at that time. So that, that struck a chord and I thought, and I just prayed and I said, Lord, bring somebody into my life, Mm -hmm. you know, that you want me to neighbor. Um, And then I read the book also that you recommended, uh, The mm-hmm. Gospel Comes with a House Key.
1: Yes, Rosario and, Butterfield.
3: Um, yeah, that mm-hmm. that was awesome. It just really resonated with everything you guys had said. Uh, and then COVID hit, and I thought to myself, that's really interesting, God.
4: Because uh-huh. <laughs> we're all stuck at home. We have
3: this, uh-huh. this awesome series of messages on neighboring, and I really want to do this, but now there's COVID. Mm-hmm. But I just realized a week ago, COVID is part of how I really got to know Renee because I started working from home Mm -hmm. and going to my mailbox, which was right near Renee's backyard where she gardened all the time. Mm -hmm. I was going to my mailbox during the middle of the day, which I would not normally have done. Mm -hmm. And another neighbor was over there talking to Renee. So I just went over to say hi, and Mm -hmm. that continued to happen numerous times. And I'd go over and visit with them while Renee was out gardening. And um, I felt drawn to Renee. Like, I, uh-huh. I just kind of felt got drama to her. I think that's her. a
1: common thing. A yeah. lot of people are drawn to Renee, but maybe well. maybe especially drawn. <laughs> yeah.
3: But uh, the interesting thing was, I thought, we have nothing in common. Hmm. Renee is a landscape architect, and I hate gardening.
1: <laughs> so
3: this is a little weird, you know. But uh, we just kind of, over time, you know, just got to know each other through the, through the neighborhood, mostly talked outside. And then one day, I was out walking in the neighborhood, and um, Renee had just had a major issue with a neighbor, Mm -hmm. and she was outside, and I could tell that she was really stressed and upset, and, um, you know, it was no coincidence that I was walking by that day, That's right. and so I stopped and chatted with Renee outside for just a little bit, and then I said, let's go into your house and talk, Mm -hmm. and we sat down, chatted for a while, she told me exactly what had happened, and Mm -hmm. And um, I, I kind of gave her some ideas on how to handle it, and you know, how just gave her a different perspective on the situation. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point in time, I felt like there was a shift in our relationship. Yeah, you know, that I think she trusted me and saw me as a reliable and reasonable person. Mm-hmm. And our friendship just continued from there.
1: I just want to interrupt you long enough to point out that absolutely nothing even remotely weird or creepy has happened so far. This is a (laughs) neighbor being a neighbor, Mm -hmm. being mindful of people around them, being intentional about where you get your mail or when you get your mail and trying Mm -hmm. to make some conversations happen. And then you intersected a time when there was a there was a moment that the Lord had ordained. But because you were faithful in that you got to have a meaningful conversation Absolutely. and now you've got a relationship. You've got a right. new friend, yeah. right?
3: And that relationship just kept building. Then actually Renee had another issue with another neighbor. It was over the, both of these were over gardening. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so I had another opportunity. I just happened to be out in the neighborhood and had another opportunity to sit down and talk with her and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, give her some perspective on that situation and, we just developed a friendship. I started inviting her over to my house for dinner, and we, she mm. and another neighbor and I, watch movies together sometimes. And mm. you know, the relationship just continued to gel. And you know, I would talk about my faith, but I never was pushy about it. I mean, mm. I would just, you know, share what God was doing in my life here and there. Mm. And then I invited Renee to uh, the Chosen Group, and yeah. Renee, I knew, didn't know anything really about Jesus. So I thought this would be a great opportunity for her. And she jumped on it and watched everything. Every time she watched an episode, she took notes, came to the group with, you know, questions. It was really great. It was great Uh for everybody in the group. Mm -hmm. And um, I think her relationship with Jesus kind of began to get a little bit fostered when she began to know you know, a little bit more about who he was.
1: Yeah. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. you've got everybody in that group praying for Renee, I ha- don't you?
3: <laughs> Listen, I have, I had numerous people. I think half the church came up to Renee after she got baptized and said, I'm so happy you got baptized. I've been praying for you.
2: You know, one of the things that's interesting about the story so far is, uh, it, uh we, I, Chad and I, uh, Chad's another pastor here at church. Uh, we have often said, you can't Have a converse a spiritual conversation with somebody. If you can't have a conversation with somebody, yes. And you had already had like these conversations, Mm -hmm. and then it was like when the time came to you know go a little deeper and not just about spirituality but about hard things in life. Mm -hmm. There was already a connection, and so I think that's important.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And another thing that really stood out to me as I began to think about this developing. Is something that was said that Rosaria Butterfield said in that book, the "Gospel has a, comes with a house key." She said, "God never gets the address wrong." Yeah, I love that. And quote. I thought, man, he, she's diagonally across the street mm-hmm. from me. Every time she's out in her yard, I know she's there. And <laughs> and you know, God just gave me this tremendous love for Renee. And and I think even if she hadn't committed her life to Christ, we'd still be good friends. Yeah. I mean, we've just really become really bonded. And. Uh, that friendship has developed, but I'm super excited at what God's done in her life.
1: Yeah. So while it wasn't, I don't know how actually the timetable, but not too terribly long after that was when I think I met Renee, and I was on the list of people you had asked to pray for mm-hmm. Renee, so I was already praying mm-hmm. for Renee. That's right. And I remember the first time I sat and talked with you, Renee. Uh, <laughs> you one of the first things you said you said I am I am very fascinated by Jesus. I want to know more about Jesus. I said, well, what's that look like? And she said, well, I watched Chosen. Um, I was like, okay, I, that, a lot of people have. She said, I, I think I remember this right. You said, I've watched it 20 times. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, so wait a minute, you've seen 20 episodes of Chosen? She's like, no, I've seen the whole thing 20 times. <laughs> I was like, oh, you are fascinated by Jesus. <laughs> I was like, let's go back to the script. You know, it was based on a book. <laughs> let's start Let's start there. And um it was incre- something, uh, I guess, through the process of just, I guess, with Teresa and the Chosen, just the idea of Jesus, the idea of having a relationship with him, it really captured your heart, didn't it?
4: It did. Um, and I guess I was fascinated by it because I didn't know who Jesus was except as the infant in a... Mm-hmm in a manger uh-huh. that i had seen you know pictures of and and coming from a family that was not religious in any way but me having my own spiritual connection mm-hmm. with god when i was very young um but i didn't you know i always felt god was there but i didn't know who jesus was it, mm-hmm. i couldn't figure out what part he had and so seeing the chosen was my first opportunity mm-hmm. to see him out of the manger so yeah. to speak and to see mm-hmm. Him actually doing his ministry and that kind of thing. So I just was, it took a while. I wasn't sure who he was and kind of what his story was. So th- this mm-hmm. really helped give me a background. Um, but
1: yeah, so you and I yeah. started talking mm-hmm. off and on. You'd always come loaded with questions, really specific questions specific. that I really believe the Lord was leading you in those. Because mm-hmm. you were, I, yeah, I don't, I'm assuming you had no idea, but you were systematically going through like, the core foundational elements of our faith. Y- you were as if as if going through a textbook, asking me, <laughs> what does it mean to be a Christian? Um, and hitting on major doctrines. And I think that probably had a lot to do with you, Teresa, because you were asking, well, what about this? And mm. what about that? And you thought about this. Um, and so often you'd, you'd sit down and say, well, Teresa said this. Uh, and then we would talk about it. And then I think you would go and say, well, Aaron said that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I come to a revelation class. And there you are in the front row taking copious notes all through mm-hmm. the class. Yep. Um, and then I uh, keep hearing about other people praying for you. And then all these steps along the way. And as we were talking, uh, you started to say, hey, I think I, I'm, I'm, I, I want to talk about baptism. So we would have that. Mm-hmm. And that, we had that for months, actually, yes. probably. Yes. Does that sound right? Yes. Yeah, we're trying to say, well, what about this? What about that? And you're just, it's amazing because one of the things that really came out as we sort of uh, looked at parts of your, your story that led you up to, to this season is it's so clear that Jesus was pursuing you mm-hmm. since Absolutely. you were just tiny mm-hmm. <laughs> your mm-hmm. entire life. And all of these little things were sort of, Uh, capturing, your heart was, eternity is written into our souls. uh, uh, And so you would find things that had elements of the way of Jesus or aspects of the heart Mm -hmm. of God. And you'd be so drawn to them. And Mm -hmm. every time it was like Jesus was luring you through a very long, windy path, Mm -hmm. closer and closer to Jesus until this time where God didn't get the address wrong. That's right. Put a (laughs) godly neighbor (laughs) right across the street from you so that you could come be Jesus. I have a question about that.
2: So I'm curious, you obviously are like a very spiritually curious person. Yes. And so you already were pursuing this, but yet you didn't have maybe tracks to run on until somewhat until you met Teresa. I'm sure there's lots of other things in your life. And then Teresa comes along and then other people like with this church came along. And I think what I'm curious about is a lot of times people are curious about God or even Jesus, but they don't know what to do about church or the people of Jesus. You know, they might have had bad experiences or whatever, and that doesn't seem to be what happened in your case. So I'm just curious like why what was what was it about Teresa and about other people at this church that didn't make you afraid maybe or <laughs>
4: Well I will, one, one incident in particular it was when I had this trauma with with a neighbor, and um, Teresa was there, and she came in and she started praying with me out loud and i'd mm. never heard anyone pray mm-hmm. for me or, or on me or, you know, or with me like that before, because all of my spirituality had you know been in other directions, but prayer out loud was never one of them, mm. so that was a totally new experience for me, and I could feel I could feel. Um, the blessings of it hmm. and i had never felt that before yeah. so that was kind of the first opening was when we were sitting that day and i was crying and i was you know pretty upset and you just started praying for me and i could feel i could feel god mm-hmm. i could feel that energy mm-hmm. um and then it became i became very interested in jesus because i knew that was one i'd always believed in god but i had never known Jesus and it was like I don't know Jesus and I was mm-hmm. very concerned about that and so mm-hmm. those are all my questions mm-hmm. with Aaron in particular was you know who is he what you know mm-hmm.
1: um, and then you continue to have experiences like that I where did. you were encountering the love of God I remember yes. one week it was so yeah, it was so sweet honestly I can't think of a better <laughs> word for it it was just so sweet you sat down and said is there, is this okay or is there something wrong with me you said because I come to church. And as soon as the music starts, (laughs) I just start crying, and I cry the whole time. And is that okay? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
4: I just couldn't understand why with the minute the music started, tears just started flowing, Uh you know. And and you reassured me and said, well, that you cry too. And it's just fine to cry. (laughs) And I thought... Oh, good, mm-hmm. because that's what I do every time I come. It was such...
1: Mm-hmm. And every you know, time we gather, there's people with tears flowing. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not that strange of a thing at church to, to look over and see someone crying during... Uh, because it's one of the ways we encounter the love of God. And mm-hmm. you, you, just, you kept having story after story where you encountered the love of God. And he was so kind in his pursuit of you. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not going to give up on you. Mm-hmm. He was so kind and he just kept letting you experience more and more of his love until... Ultimately, he found it to be mm-hmm. ultimate and yes. irresistible. Yeah.
4: And Teresa also um, introduced me to um, really t- to the Bible because I mm-hmm. had I'd had Bibles um, from my my grandparents or whatnot, um, but they were really tiny and couldn't read them. It was mm-hmm. writing was itsy bitsy, yep. and so Teresa actually took me t- to the store and said, "This is a good place to buy a Bible." And so. Uh-huh that was then I had something to read mm-hmm. you know one <laughs>
2: of the things that really stands out to me in, in your old story with Teresa and just as we're talking about just being naturally good neighbors and loving mm-hmm. people like Jesus would is what, what really comes across in this conversation is that Teresa seems to have been this non-anxious presence in your life mm-hmm. that you didn't do anything weird uh, you did pray for which for some people might be a little weird but it doesn't sound like you did it in a weird creepy way mm-hmm. obviously it had a great impact on you mm-hmm. and so I just think, man, you know you see all the ugly side of Christians with on with megaphones on street corners, and that's just kind of icky, but that's not what I'm hearing from this story. You're just mm-hmm. being a good neighbor and loving mm-hmm. people like
1: Jesus was. Yeah, I didn't mm-hmm.
3: do anything that anybody else couldn't do. Yeah, that's right, really.
1: yeah. so that reminds me of an Alan Hirsch quote, who's like a just a brilliant Christian thinker guy. He said this, if every Christian family in the world simply offered good conversational hospitality around the table once a week to neighbors, we could eat our way into the kingdom of God.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) That's right.
1: Like this is not rocket science. Mm -mm. This is not not weird. It's not creepy. It's not invasive. It's not pushy. It's meeting people with kindness. It's Hospitality, which as you referenced earlier, literally means, it's Philozenia is the Greek word. It literally means the love of strangers. Mm-hmm. And what we're taught is stranger danger, uh, xenophobia, the fear of strangers. Mm-hmm. And what right. the Bible is welcoming us into is the love of strangers. Yes. And all we've done, we're talking about, uh, you know, in, in the church world, we talk about converts, right? But there, there was two conversions here. First, you converted a stranger into a friend. Yes. And from there, you were able to introduce that friend to life with Jesus. Right. And that's that's wasn't a system,
2: yeah. Not a system, not a five-step mm-hmm. model, nothing not I, at I, all. I That's what I love so much about this story. No. I, I really love it and I I just pray that like what you've done, Teresa, is true of me and my family. Like that's inspirational because that's we just want to love our neighbors and in turn be loved by our neighbors, you right. know, it's recipro- mm-hmm. reciprocal. Our neighbors have so much even our our non-Christian neighbors maybe as much so have so much to teach us and we have to learn from them. And so, and then along the way, just naturally bringing in your faith like you did. And I think that's incredible. So this is a wonderful story. You sometimes hear stories of people having these crazy experiences of coming to Mm -hmm. Jesus. And that's awesome. But I think I love just as much and maybe even more so stories like this one, Mm -hmm. where you guys just loved each other and and along the way, you know, you Mm -hmm. found this guy, Jesus, and he's changing your life.
3: I know, I'll never forget the day after church Renee (laughs) told me, she said, she put her hands up to her chest and she said, I get it. I get Uh who Jesus is. I have such peace. Uh And the tears were just flowing down her face. It was just so exciting. I love it. So exciting. That was
4: one of the really momentous times. I came running up to Teresa and I said, Teresa, I've got it. I know who he is now. I just got it. Yeah. And the tears are just
1: <laughs> flowing. <laughs> and um, Yeah. And then
4: she started crying.
1: I <laughs> I <did>. It's contagious. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so. so one more detail I wanna make sure we cover. I was so encouraged by what you said on Sunday after your baptism about how long it took you to get out of this place and why. You wanna you wanna share that with us? Do you remember? Well All the people who were coming up to you?
4: Oh, yes. (laughs) I think it took me over an hour to get...
1: To (laughs) to get out of church, yeah. Uh,
3: This is after church was
4: over. After church, yeah, the service that you were baptized. I was was just... I was overwhelmed with with the love and kindness of everyone who came up. And some people who I didn't even know, Uh um, just hugging me and and welcoming Mm me. You know, basically, you know, blessing me. And I just... It was... It was wonderful. Mm-hmm.
1: And all of uh, so many of them, uh, probably not all, them so many of them had been praying for you for months and months and months. Yes. See, I think Teresa got like three different small groups on the uh-huh. mission mm-hmm. oh, to yeah. pray for Renee. Four. Four, four. four, four small four, groups. Four. I love it. And Renee, <laughs> I love that you smiled and you said, I didn't stand a chance. <laughs> well, That's <was> so true. <laughs>
2: And I think it's going to be really cool to watch your journey, Renee, as as mm-hmm. you just seem like the kind of person who's going to do what Teresa did in your mm-hmm. life for others, because you, you've got this uh, this aura about you that uh-huh. I think people are, it seems, I know I am, and I think people are going to be drawn to you, and so it's going to be mm-hmm. cool to see that's, that's how the kingdom of God grows, is we love, and that love is multiplied across planet Earth, and it's been happening for a couple thousand years, so... That's gonna yeah. be true in your life now, and that's really cool. It's gonna be fun to watch.
4: <laughs> Amen. It will be. Amen. You've got Amen. some significant yeah.
1: spiritual giftedness that we've talked about as well. That's exciting. Well, you guys did awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us um, and encouraging. It was a pleasure. All yes. All right. Thanks so much. <laughs>
3: All right. Thanks, Darren.
1: Okay, well, hey guys, I'm here with Josh again, and Chad Stewart is here with us as well. Chad, associate pastor over at the Vineyard Spring Brook, and um, we just heard that incredible story about Renee finding Jesus through the faithfulness of her friend Teresa, and I'm so encouraged by that story. And at the very heart of that is just being just being intentional about being a neighbor. And I wanted to process that with you guys. You're the first two people I think of when I think about people who, who do that well. So as as you guys were hearing that, what, what stood out to you from that from our conversation with Renee and Teresa?
0: Yeah, I think listening to Teresa, it was like she was naturally everything I try to be. Uh, okay. all the time. Um and I'll say there's two things that stuck out. The first thing is Teresa didn't have an agenda for Renee. She just had an agenda for herself, it seemed like. That that hey yeah. that hey, I'm supposed to go out in my community and meet people. The agenda was on her, not 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 having an agenda for Renee. Ooh. And that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you see that in how she and how, she uh, went about the relationship, you know, she didn't give a, the normal, and there's nothing wrong with this. It, I think the situation always applies. But she didn't lead with a gospel presentation mm-hmm. of having the agenda to convert her. Mm-hmm. What she naturally did is what I think Jesus does. Um, she was aware to the conversation that was present. Mm. And the conversation was a relational strife. Oh. And she entered that conversation yeah. giving an example of the kingdom. And so basically if she would have gave a gospel presentation, who knows if Renee would have just shut her down and we and mm-hmm. she went she would have marked Renee as not um as not receptive. Yeah. But she picked the one conversation that Renee was receptive to. Uh-huh. And thus entered the relationship of then having a relationship to show what the kingdom is. But but basically she started at that one place which was just relational strife.
1: Yeah, I think you really put your finger on something there, Chad, because I mean, I I know Renee and and have had a lot of conversations with her and her story. And part of it was she moved to the Bible Belt a little while ago, a couple of years ago, and it was real weird, man. Yeah. A lot of weird, cringy things happened. There was from <laughs> from um, from West Coast, so major culture shock, and a a lot of sort of empty, impersonal gospel presentations were made to her that made zero impact. And then along came Teresa, who wasn't. Uh, Didn't have an agenda other than to, to love her neighbor. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It's made me think about um, a conversation we've had. I think in a neighboring series before, but that whole mosaic aspect of presenting the gospel to somebody. A lot of people want to start with the atonement or give some kind of gospel Mm -hmm. pitch, and not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. But that's again, like Chad said, I don't. I don't think it's how he did it. It was like, hey, where is the person at, and how can we? you know, uh, in natural ways, disciple people to Jesus, um, mm-hmm. just by meeting them where they're at. So is, is, is their marriage going through something? Uh, well, I probably can't even talk about that until I built a relationship with them. But mm-hmm. once I have, when they trust me enough to talk about that, let's meet them there not, Oh, this is the atonement. This is the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus, mm-hmm. but rather, man, I think God's, you know, cares about your marriage and here's why and taking them there in scripture or, or whatever that looks like. So yeah. It's more natural, man. It's just like doing life with people. Mm-hmm. And that's what Teresa did with Renee. It was like, man, mm-hmm. just in the natural overflow of life in their neighborhood, mm-hmm. she got to know her, and then they became friends. And then when the junk hit the fan in
1: Renee's life, There she was. She, yeah, she trusted uh, mm-hmm. Teresa. She had, as they would say in Young Life Circles, she had earned the right to be heard yeah. when yeah. the time came. Uh, and I think increasingly that's a cultural necessity because we've talked a lot about how the Bible Belt now is a post-Christendom context. And um, in a Christendom context, you can expect people to have a foundational understanding of, you know, sort of a monotheistic worldview and some of the basic tenets of our faith and a a general, maybe some at least vague understandings about Jesus, the Bible, the cross. Um, And that has been true in the Bible Belt, where it's not been true in other parts of the country. Well, Renee came from another part of the country and had none of that context and none of that background. And so, if she'd have started with that, there's n- there's no way it would have landed because there's so much um, foundation that needs to be laid before that can even that can even register in yeah. someone's mind. And now, as of in my opinion, the last couple of years, now we're in a post-Christendom context, even here in the Bible Belt, and increasingly we cannot rely upon. People kind of knowing the major moving pieces of Christianity so that you can just make sort of a, for lack of a better word, a, a naked gospel presentation <laughs> where you just hear it is all by itself and, it, and, and expect that there's enough hooks already pre-existing for it to connect into and, and land with somebody. So that, this worked well, the way Teresa's approach worked well for Renee, but increasingly that's going to be the only approach yeah. that's going to work even in our context. Yeah, that's really good. And I think, um, you know, one of the things Chad and I
2: have, have talked a lot about, and I think maybe we'll get to here in a few minutes, is, is prayer walking. Um, but just like a lot of people might say, okay, that's cool, Teresa got to got to know her neighbor and that just so happened because, uh, you know, Renee was out gardening all the time and then they ended up striking up some conversations over the, uh, by the mailbox or whatever, you know, which is really cool, but I think it's really important to, if we're gonna be intentional about anything in a natural way, uh, Putting ourselves in front of people, um, a lot of people hide behind the doors of their homes and they never come out, and that's increasingly the case in our society. You know, mm-hmm. you can pull in a garage and put the door down, and you never see each other. Mm-hmm. And I think as Christians, um, like, do people see us? Do they? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know my wife and I. We try to walk a, once or twice a day, and we we hold hands. We act like we actually love each other. <laughs> and people, and we've had people say, "Wow, that's just really cool." And it's a way to get ourselves out there and. And um, in our neighborhoods and,
1: and, and be present and let people see us. Yeah, you mentioned people go, you know, they get in their garage and you, you never see them outside. And then if they do go outside, they're on a back porch, probably in a fenced in area, and you get little to no access to people. Mm-hmm. And so what you almost have to do is make yourself accessible. You have to sort of go against that norm. And again, like you said, prayer walking, it's just... Or just honestly, just walking. But then, all the more so, prayer walking as you start to develop a heart for your a heart for your neighbors in the process. Um, Chad, I don't know if I jumped on something, uh, stepped on something you were about to
0: say. But. Uh, no, I think I think I think something that Josh said just um, just uh, just stood out to me, and it's this idea that nothing is natural until it's intentional. Mm. Like I'm an introvert, going out into my neighborhood and conversating with people is not natural to me uh-huh. and so it's like any discipline that we have in the faith like prayer or silence or soul or solitude mm-hmm. evangelism and prayer walking and being your neighbor won't be natural until it's intentional oh wow
1: yeah well said man yeah so yeah
2: i mean you want to maybe riff on can we riff for a second on prayer walking is please okay? go ahead yeah. i just and i'm excited about chad uh, coming in here in a second and talking about this, because we've we've talked a lot about it over the last couple of years, especially. I know in our like in our neighborhood, so we we, we live on this street. It's got 14 houses on it. It tees with an, a, a street up above us. Um, and uh, we've kind of seen that as our parish, and we've talked about that uh, from the stage here at church before. Um, but that idea that um, we're going to see this place as a place where we're, for lack of a better term, a, a, a priest. This is the parish that God's given us to not take ownership in a creepy way, but ownership in a spiritual way is just to say, hey, like we are going to be responsible for the hurt and the injustice and the lostness of uh, this parish that God's given us. And one of the things that our family started doing, and especially Amanda and I, is we just started walking, not always prayer walking, but often praying over the homes that were in our parish Mm -hmm. with the realization that behind the door of every single one of their homes, there is a battle being waged, a battle for marriages and uh, kids that are going through difficult circumstances and a plethora of other battles being waged we're gonna start praying over those. And in so doing, uh, one of our goals was to get to know the names of every single person in every single home, that mm-hmm. took a while. I actually had a neighborhood journal, which is kind of creepy, <laughs> just so I could remember all the names. Yeah. And then with those names started adding, what are the hobbies? Uh, what are mm-hmm. the fears? What are the difficulties? Uh, what are the passions? What are the sports clubs they like? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, everything just so True. I could really get an understanding because you can't have a spiritual conversation with somebody until you can have a conversation and you can't have a conversation if you don't know what people like and what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And so with prayer walking, that's just one thing we started doing in our neighborhood. I'd be curious like your thoughts on some of that, Jeb.
0: Yeah, I think um, the big thing about prayer walking to me, the one thing that I've learned is that everyone on my street knows my face Uh because about to the end of the stop sign to our house, it's like point two zero miles. Uh And I like to get five miles of walking in a day. (laughs) So imagine how many times I'm walking down that straight strip of road. These people are looking at me like, Uh who is this guy? He's on his phone. He looks like sometimes he's talking to himself. Uh And the conversations I just had from that from just praying and even not like engaging in conversation, maybe waving or saying hello, mm-hmm. is I don't know how many neighbors have just naturally stopped me and just be like, hey, are you like exercising all the time? <laughs> or like, hey, how about that fitness app? Like, mm-hmm. like, um, do you know how much you're walking? And then just the aspect of just walking over a long period of time, I've lived in my neighborhood three years now. Mm-hmm. and And like if you listen to Teresa's story, this was a two-year process for Renee. Yeah.
2: Mm, that's yeah. good, man. Wasn't it wasn't
0: fast. instant results. No. And but, but but basically over a course of time she made herself present, mm-hmm. she made herself known, her face known, and that's what me and my wife tried to do and then like I don't only neighbor, but like one of the places I neighbor is CrossFit. Mm-hmm. I show up, I hang out, I wait till after class is over. I just hang out to what to what any conversation is present mm-hmm. and just have conversations and pray for people. And and in the midst of that, I think one of the biggest things for me is um, I try to relate to their problems in the sense of like, if I'm, I was at CrossFit and someone, I was like, hey, man, why are you here? And they go, well, I just got the divorce. And I'm just like, oh, okay, right off the bat. He just said that. Yeah. And so I got to enter into a conversation with him. And here's the deal. I don't know what that's like. Um, so basically I went home and I was like, God, how do I grieve this situation? Like you grieve it. Mm, Like, like, like Jesus, I, I don't only want to see that's a problem, man, and want to enter into it. I actually want to be able to grieve with him Mm -hmm. in what a divorce feels like. So asking God to give you the heart for the problems you see as you're prayer walking is super important. Yeah.
2: And one of the, a lot of people listening might be like, man, cool, praying over houses, or in Chad's case, it's kind of like an affinity group, this CrossFit gym that he's a part of. And for some folks, it might be their workplace or their school or whatever. But um, one of the one of the tools that our families used, and I've mentioned this here at church before, is um, the way of playing the blessed rhythms over uh, people in that affinity group or neighborhood, For in our case, it's our neighborhood. And so what we did was we picked at least five people that we could start to play, pray the acronym bless over and it's kind of cheesy but it's helpful it's it's the b is for body so we pray over people's physical well-being mm-hmm. l is for labor even if they're a stay-at-home parent it's like you know that's whatever they put their hands to throughout the day sure. pray over that and then the e is for emotion, their emotions. I was trying to test Chad there, uh, for the, over their emotional health. The first S is over their, their, their social life. So the relationships. And then the last one, the last S is, is spiritual, but we pray that over like the homes, you know, that we walk past in our neighborhood and mm-hmm. people listening to this could pray that over, you know, at least five people in their workplace and just praying holistically
1: over folks, um, that God's kingdom would come in their lives. You cannot pray over your neighbors like that and not have your heart change yeah, towards 100%, your neighbors. Man. Yep. You're going to find it really hard to keep a grudge. You're going to care a whole lot less about the state of their garden. You're going to care, you know, or whatever might be annoying you, and you're going to start caring deeply about them. Yep. And yeah. then when those seems like happenstance encounters happen, you're going to you're going to approach them with a different with a different spirit. With mm-hmm. a different spirit. And then, you know, I wanted to highlight, Chad, you were talking about just being being seen and being visible and being present in those conversations. Um, I, I don't want to over spiritualize it, but Christ is in us. We bring Christ yeah. with us where we go. And so if somebody encounters you, Chad, you're great, but they're not encountering <laughs> Jesus. But in a very real way, they're encountering Jesus because yeah. He's within you, and He defines you, and He, you know, and He pours forth from you um, because because that's who you are. Those things matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to just throw some, one more thing in
2: here, and that is wh- what I love about this conversation and about Teresa's story, and you know, everything in this particular podcast is that so many people think it's the superhuman Christian types that can do this stuff, and it's 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 just a christian it's a boy it's a girl in their second grade or 12th grade class it's 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 average everyday people mm-hmm. and so um there's this quote by a guy named richard allen and i love this um it says i do not trust spectacular things give me the seed growing in secret every time mm-hmm. And as we're praying over homes and things like that, we are, we are casting seed and just saying, Lord, what is it you want to do in these homes and in my neighborhood and in, in my workplace? Um, we're not looking for spectacular things, although sometimes those happen and that's awesome and we celebrate them, but rather being faithful to being natural Christians in our natural habitats.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to say one more thing, and then, Chad, I'll let you—you'll uh, get the final word. Awesome. Uh, so <laughs> that's the problem with three preachers, man. We could just, we could just keep going. But um, one thing I just want to point out about Teresa, she was, we, we really highlighted she was not weird. She was not creepy. She was not strange. Like She yeah. just acted humanly and kindly. But I still want to point out there were moments of courage. There were moments yeah. when she said, hey, let's, let's go inside and talk more. There are moments when she said, let's go get you a Bible where she said, hey, I'm in this small group, why don't you come? Hey, I worship on Sundays at the vineyard, why don't you join us there? Like, she took real steps of boldness, and they weren't creepy, but the, it still took a moment where she had to sort of, you know, say, hey, I, there was genuine welcome and invitation that was real risk, and now she was able to do it from the foundation of friendship, but there was real risk in that, and she took
0: it, and, and mm-hmm. good for her. Yeah. What about you, Chad? Last word. Yeah, and I think just the idea of going on and what Josh was saying, um, people like aren't looking for excellence because mm. here's the deal. As a Christian, me going to a non-Christian, it's hard for them to relate to excellence. And honestly, it's hard for me to relate to excellence if I'm throwing on that vibe. Mm. I don't relate well to it. Um, I relate well to brokenness, mm. and I relate well to lostness because— I was a lost person Mm -hmm. and there's a parts of me that are still in perpetual lostness. Mm -hmm. And so being able to to, um, relate to them and just say, yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where I find that most people relate to me, even when I'm in CrossFit and I say, I'm a pastor. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what? You're a pastor. We didn't know you've been going here for a year. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, no one asked me what I did. but over the course of that time they were just relating to me in my everyday normal way Mm -hmm. and honestly they were relating to the parts of me whenever they heard i'm a pastor and they still remain my friends Mm -hmm. they were able first to relate to the parts of me that weren't excellent or that Mm -hmm. weren't a pastor but um the places of me that were christ-like but also the place of me that i'm I'm still becoming like Mm -hmm. christ yeah and it made it non-threatening yeah of course yeah
1: Although I think you were probably doing some serious excellence as you were crushing it on CrossFit, man. Flipping tires or whatever you people do. If
0: I told you my deadlift numbers, you would be amazed.
1: I would be amazed. I That's would be amazed. A, I'm just kidding. I picture a comma in that number somewhere. <laughs> it's a single digit, man. Well, guys, thanks so much for chatting with us. Yep, yeah, thanks yeah. for having Thank us. Thank you. Thank you.